Okay, who's that? Oh, it's us. It's me, Michelle, and I. And you just joined us on our seventh episode. Go you. My name is Sarah Carbs. Sam Swags. Hannah slash Spuds. So today we are doing chapters 41 through 52, which was quite the chunk, ladies. Well, mm-hmm. thoughts overall? Thoughts? <gasps> oh, okay. We got a hug. <laughs> Love it. I don't know. I feel like this section was just a lot of information coming into it. And so I feel like they're building up something huge that's going to happen. Yeah. Because it almost felt like filler chapters to me. There was a lot of like going into certain people's personal histories and sort of the history between yeah. everyone. Everyone. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's true. It was slightly on the denser side, but it was all very, it was all interesting stuff. I it think. was interesting, but I will say in these chapters, it happens to be one of the most confusing history lessons yeah. for a certain three people that I, to this day, still have to Google and read people's summaries of because I still don't quite understand it. Yeah. But this is also finally when things start picking up between Pharaoh and Resand. Mm-hmm. Which is always fun. So I think we left off at the meeting with the queens. So yes. they're just coming back from that. It didn't go horribly, but it didn't go great. It Oh, those humans. Yeah. The immortal queens. Immortal queens. Resan is deciding to show them Valaris, which do you think this is a good idea? No. No, no not at all. Not. Like, I do not trust these human queens okay. after that meeting. And I feel like you've just spent so much time protecting Valaris while you were under the mountain and going through all this stuff. And you're just going to hand it over? Yeah. Really? Just like that? They're jumping into this decision to expose it without really thinking about the consequences of it. Because I don't foresee that going well. Yeah. At all. I just don't see how proof of Valaris gives them Reese's good intention. Like, that... There feels like a disconnect to that for me. Like, I don't understand how Reese hiding this one city out of his entire land is proof that he's a good person. That just, like, doesn't... Well, it makes sense to me. Doesn't it make it seem like he's a worse person because he let everyone else suffer under the mountain? Was like, but my little city, Valaris, like, <laughs> gotta check out this prime real estate. <laughs> I'll keep this one to myself. Like, I feel like that's, I don't know. I don't think that proves that he's a good guy. I agree with you, Sam. My other thought was, too, is they don't even know what Valaris is. Like, right. So, like, I agree with you because he could say it's Budapest. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's. <laughs> Shush, I know what you're thinking of. <laughs> I, was thinking, uh, <laughs> I was thinking of something else, actually. Oh, okay. I was thinking Marvel, but oh. you're thinking Savage Land. I was thinking Savage Land. I thought you were thinking Savage Land. No, but that's a fair point. But I'm just saying, like, he could have said it's anywhere. He doesn't necessarily, like... They don't really know if it's Valaris or not Valaris. But that's why they want to go and specifically get this orb from oh, the Court of Nightmares because right. that would make it authentic or like make it seem legitimate as opposed to mind tricks, which was what they kind of talked well, about. It's a truth orb? It is a truth orb. Actually, it might actually be genius that they're using the orb because just because they do the orb, it proves that it's real, but it doesn't prove where it is. Yeah. And if it's glamoured, I feel like it would still be difficult for them to find it. Like, they don't need to give the details of where exactly it is. Yeah, I guess that's a fair point. I didn't think of it like that. I take back everything I just said. (laughs) I mean, still, what does showing Valaris prove 
Like, how do you view that? Like, how does it prove that Rhysand's a good person or that their intentions are true? Honestly, I don't understand that connection. Yeah. That's just what it comes down to for me at the end. I'm all for them, like, giving up Valaris as a show of hands. It just doesn't make sense in this specific situation for me. Honestly, I feel like now would be the time to lie and be like, I'm a good guy because I'm a dad. And look at all of the children that I have. That are super great and just pick kids from Valaris and be like, look at which, I don't know, yeah. like come up with some extravagant lie be like, I saved this one boy from dying but at this time. But that's part of the catch about getting the book. It has to be given freely and without like trickery. Uh, that's part of the issue because Cassian was like, why don't we just like wedge these bitches off their throne and get someone else? And they're like, mm. but like, okay, so to that point, why does he have to give all of Valaris? Why can't he just talk about how he saved Cassian, Azrael, and more, and, like, how he gave them. I don't know. I feel like that's such a big jump. But he even said, too, uh, Rhysand even said, too, that Feyre should have been enough proof, or, or like, should have been enough of a reason to convince them otherwise. Like, I think it's a fool's errand. I don't think there's any way he can accurately or, like... 100% prove his good intentions. How are you going to satiate this? Like, I don't see it happening, but... I don't know. I Obviously, it's a setup for Valaris coming to light Mm -hmm. to everybody. I might have just wished Sarah J. Mass found a different reason for why it needed to be a thing. Yeah. yeah. Maybe... Because it just... I don't know. It doesn't really make too much sense. It doesn't really prove that he's a great person because he also did a lot of shitty stuff to save that specific city. And only one city out of his entire territory. That also doesn't affect the humans whatsoever. Like, I don't know. It maybe should have been something more Mm human-based about maybe how they have let Nesta and Elaine still live and they haven't come into the human realm to do any mischief. That does kind of come into light in their second meeting at the end, though, mm. because as we're, like, being... Well, that's going to be in the next section, but there is a circle back to something similar. Stay so like, tuned for the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> Did we read two sections worth to record two episodes in a row? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. We don't know. Well, how would they know? How would, They're not going to know. Who's going to know? know? They're going to know. They're not going to know. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's called the Orb of Veritas. Might I yes. add, because we need to give it its real name. So Do they, we, though? We'll, we'll shorten it to the orb now, but that's the official name. Okay. So, but the thing is, is they have to go to the Court of Nightmares to bum, go bum, bum. retrieve it from Moore's daddy. Okay. But before that... Do, you, wait, do we want to talk about Drake and We need to. Yeah. Let's oh get gosh. this over with. So yeah, this let's is, rip this band-aid. This section... I still sometimes have to Google Sparknotes versions of trying to understand what this whole love triangle is. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem super important to me. Yeah. It's kind of confusing. I feel like Sarah J. Mass didn't really write about it very clearly. And you're just like, what? What just happened? And then the worst part of it is, is that it's actually important for future books. Yeah. So then you get to it, these characters come back and you're like, oh, I was supposed to remember this? Oof, LOL, we're just gonna roll with it. (laughs) (laughs) Just tell me what happened to me in the next couple books. As you, like, Google, speak Google, what Mm -hmm. is going on with these three characters? So we want to make sure, after much research on all three of our parts and many discussions to make sure we all understood it correctly, 
this is what we've come down to yeah. when it comes to the Dracon, Miriam, and Jurian love triangle. I read so many things on the internet trying to understand it. <laughs> Audiobook, reread it, yeah. the whole nine yards to figure out what this is. Also, there was one that was really funny, and it's someone who totally loves two of the characters, and she just thinks they're the most interesting thing out of this whole series. So I will try and relook for who it was and tag her as a source mm-hmm. in the comments. Because she was the one that helped does figure it makes sense of yeah. all this. She totally did like the jury and Miriam Dracon for dummies. Yeah. <laughs> And I appreciate her. <laughs> All right. So who's going to start? Um, I feel like you two have the best grip on it. I'm just along for the ride. Are we going to do this out, man? Okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, we should Can I be the mediator? Okay. Let's go. Maybe like I'll start and you can pick up where like, like I can popcorn to you or some shit. <laughs> well, like, we'll hot potato. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, yeah. I'm chopping yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. Tap in. Um, <laughs> it is my understanding that... Miriam, we learn about first, she is from a different land that's, like, across the sea or whatever. It is run by a queen that, more quote said, makes Amarantha look as sweet as Elaine. So, we know this is not a very nice lady, and she's a horrible queen. And we don't know her name. A girl has no name. Yeah! And I have a theory of who that is, and that will be on a different podcast series. I think I know who it is. I want to know this. I want to know what you think I, it is. I'm afraid it might spoil Throne of Glass for you. You might. Oh. We can discuss it. Oh. It's okay. Okay. So Miriam is born in this land, this awful land for humans, and she is half fae, born of a mortal mother and a fae dad, I can assume. And she is a slave. She's considered a human instead of having any rights to her fae heritage. Dracon was gifted Miriam by... The woman who is not known, who's more evil than Amarantha. And he kind of pushes her way back to the human realm because he's super freaked out and thinks that it's just really icky that he was given a slave and he's just not feeling it. He's like, this, not my thing. I'm not a slave owner. So Miriam goes and she is in the human realm and she meets this man named Jurian, who is currently fighting the Fae War as a human. And as they're kind of battling alongside each other. They become the best of friends and they fall in love and things are getting really romantic, but Jurian's starting to get too all-consumed by the war. And with that, he wants to kill Amarantha's sister so that he can eventually kill Amarantha. That's just kind of his plan. And he's got these horse blinders on trying to just kill, 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 kill. And he's not really focused on Miriam. Well, Dracon ends up coming to join the war and he befriends Jurian and they're fighting alongside each other and Dracon all of a sudden sees his little ex-betrothed and starts to fall in love with her. No. He was a betrothed to Miriam. Right. The She was a gift oh, from yeah. his betrothed. But he's been kind of looking for her this entire time. He's kind of had a soft spot for her. So he's like, So he oh. sent her away just to look for her? No, so he sent her away because he was grossed out, not grossed out, but like he did not like receiving a slave as a gift. That is the way I read it. It's not quite clear what exactly he was disgusted about, but he just let her escape and she fled because she knew that if the queen were to find out that she was no longer his gift anymore, she might go after her. So that's why she fled. She met up with Jurian's army they become friends but yeah but draken after releasing her realizes he doesn't want to marry 
some crazy queen who gives out people like candy and he breaks off the engagement and decides to fight on behalf of the humans and that's how he meets jurian yeah and they become his old ex-slave yeah yeah, yeah. which he had kind of a torch for but now she chooses him of her own free will you guys that's a love story (laughs) it's cute poor jurian though like i kind of feel for him it's kind of a double-edged sword because he's so focused on the war because he wants everything to be better for people like Miriam and himself and the humans. And I feel like that's such a valiant effort. But also at the same time, he clearly does not focus on her enough to keep her mm-hmm. interested in him. He let the wrong things become a priority. He let it consume him to the point of destruction. Like quite literally, like he was literally in pieces with Amarantha having his eye on as a ring and his finger on a necklace. She's so petty. <sighs> So petty. The other insult to injury to all of that is whilst she was cutting up Jurian, she was reminding him, or at least informing him of Marion and Draken's affair. Although it's contested of like, did they hook up when she was still with Jurian? Did she break up with Jurian and then go to Draken? There's some overlap there that's not really quite confirmed. It's a true love triangle. Yeah. So, you know, I think you were reading something about how like Tamlin and Feyre and Jurian and and Miriam are somewhat foils yeah, of each other. How Jurian is similar to Tamlin mm-hmm. and his lust for just becoming this ultimate lord and living the picture perfect life consumes him and he's not focused on actually caring for Feyre and then Reese is the one who lets her come and go as she pleases and then she ends up choosing him. Mm-hmm. It was really interesting. Yeah. I'll cite that too. Mm-hmm. Whoever you are, you're amazing. Thank you, Reddit. <laughs> no, it was, it's a good comparison. I don't think that section was written well. It was no. just... It was well, hard to keep track. You kind of knew about Jurian because of the ring and Amarantha hating this human guy that she took apart and yeah. made jewelry. But <laughs> yeah. it was for, yeah. Christmas was, or Calamai was around the corner. What was she going to give out to her friends? Come on. <laughs> Sorry, I said that way too nonchalantly. But yeah, now we kind of learned a little bit more of the backstory and piecing it together. But also, I just don't really understand why it's super important right now. But there are two takeaways that come from why this poorly written section was included in this part. They wanted to humor the idea that maybe they would be proof of Reese's good intentions, one. But then two, Cassian made the comment that they have an aerial force that would match the Illyrian forces that Reese and Cassian man so the idea that like hey like they can go live their happily ever after wherever the hell everyone thinks that they're dead or whatever but like they got a pretty great team there we may need to call on a favor they may hate us oh yeah just to clarify so Miriam and dracon ended up pretending like they were dead and going and fling off to an island where she ended up becoming immortal and now they can live their beautiful immortal lives together on this island with their huge army and everyone thinks that they're dead. They don't know where they are. Mm-hmm. Honestly, goals. Yeah. Right? Yeah, totally. Have if you're an immortal man who wants to turn me immortal and take me to an island with a huge army and love on me for the rest of eternity, please call it. Yeah. <laughs> I'd smash that. I'm taking in applications. <laughs> <laughs> it's Hannah with two N's. <laughs> no, no H at the end. No H. No I extra H. Beautiful red hair and a big booty. Yeah. And I'm really good at cooking. 
So mm-hmm. we can attest to that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we can. Shit. So moving on. So because we need to show Valaris to the queen. Because there's literally no other option. <laughs> I don't know why, but this is what we're doing and we're committing to it. We are going to the Court of Nightmares. Do you like that in my note? I call it the spectacle. Spectacle. <laughs> you call it the, the, the spectacle? I said the Court of Nightmares spectacle. Fera and recent. <laughs> I'm sorry, like, I don't blame Kier for being super uncomfortable. I would have been uncomfortable watching all of that. 100%. So, they're just like standing there holding a glass of wine. I love it. Oh my god. Well, so (laughs) so cringy. I'm sorry. Uh, Love it for her, though. Mm. Anyway, (laughs) so for the setup, they have to pretty much as I said, cause a spectacle or scene to distract Moore's father from them stealing this orb from them. So Reese is like, you're going to have to play this role that you may not like, and I'm not going to force you to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry. Even like you forced me to do it under the mountain. Okay. I know. Thank you for getting me really drunk and slightly high so that you would make me do this. So, but this time it's consensual. This time. (laughs) I'm glad it's consensual this time. (laughs) So. You just have to do it. (laughs) You have to do it, but it's consensual. It's consensual completely. (laughs) He makes her play the role of the whore that he obviously knows so much about as Amarantha's whore. So she is dressed in just as little as she was under the mountain in the first book. And she literally gives him a lap dance. Basically. In front of the entire court of nightmares. Basically. Consensually. 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 Oh, yes. She was struggling. Consensually. <laughs> Consensually. <laughs> Disclaimer, this was actually consensual this time. It was. To be fair, it was consensual. <laughs> <laughs> so, she... I still hate that under the mountain stuff. It's so stupid. I know. Well, you can get into that in the next section. Mm-hmm. So, yes. So... Farah is playing the role of the whore, and everyone knows her as Tamlin's fiance. So Kier is kind of like, what the hell's going on? Kier is Moore's father. So they start the spectacle as Kier's holding a glass of wine for Farah, watching them all over each other as Moore and Azrael slip away to find the orb. I think Cassian disappeared too. Yeah. So they're like running amok in the court of nightmares trying to find this thing. And then all of a sudden, everyone reappears and they're like, oh, peace. We're good. Bye. <laughs> Well, oh, but then you go ahead. No, you go. No. No. Okay. <laughs> well, I think if I remember this correctly, they're about ready to leave. And then the show's over. The show's <laughs> over. They got what they needed. Wink, wink. And then as Feyre is leaving, he says like under his breath that she's a whore. Or you're going to get yours. You're going to get yours. Yes. And then that is when Reese loses his shit and he just breaks all the bones in his arms and i think on both arms until kier apologizes and i have to say for kier i mean i don't agree with what he did but he held out much longer than i thought he would (laughs) like he went through like what two rounds of breaking shit and then he still broke his pinky like (laughs) i feel like the thing it's safe to say the men of the night court are proud motherfuckers To say the least. And then the additional, like the salt in the quite literal wound is that he was not allowed to use magic to have it healed. Ah, yes, yes. that's right. But also I was going to say the men of the night court, remembering that this is Moore's father, he has absolutely no respect regardless for women anyway. Yep. And so seeing a woman do this raunchy lap dance and being all over Reese and stuff, 
he already doesn't have a good view of women, and I feel like that was just ammo, that it was a cheap shot. Mm-hmm, He's like, yep. see, look at these horror women doing horror stuff. This is why they all suck. I don't Bitches. understand his logic in, like, I'm just like, why would he even say anything? Here? Yeah. Oh, I know. That's clearly the facade that Resan puts out to the world. Like, this is who he wants people to see him as. Why is Kier surprised? Why does it bother him because that he's fucking think, around with the spring court? I think that he feels inferior to Reese, and it's kind of one of those pride things where he's mad that Reese has more power than him because he probably has such a big ego. A wingspan competition, I, one would say. You don't even have wings. That's what I mean. <laughs> I consider that maybe Kier was trying to call Reese on his bluff. If you think about it, like, if you think about it, Reese is a pretty decent guy that he has to come down here. But he doesn't know that he's a good guy. Well, but but he does know that he took in more after they beat her up. He, I mean, I do think Kier has some knowledge of Reese and Reese's mother's relationship. I mean, they're cousins after all. Yeah. He would have seen him grown up. He might know that he has a softer nature than this just big energy you know like like, i'm just saying like i had a feeling that maybe this was kier calling his bluff and this is just some sort of a show i think it's a combo of that Mm -hmm. because i think there's probably him testing his boundaries but also that wounded pride yeah because he also did take in more after that more is one of you guys can explain more's backstory but more didn't die after she essentially flipped off her middle finger at her father. True. So the fact that Reese took her in after that is probably a pain point for Kier on top of him trying to test that water with him, and he got burned. Mm. Mm-hmm. Or broken. Yeah. Very broken. Yeah. In many spots. <laughs> burned and broken. So what did you guys think about the Quarter Nightmares and Feyre and Risa? Do you think that this was all for show? Like, do you think this is kind of the start of them wink-wink at each other and, like, like-liking each other? And do you, Or do you think it's just, like, they kind of got lost in the moment? I I don't like the scene solely because I didn't like the scenes that were similar to this Under the Mountain where mm. she was doing things non-consensually and not in her right mind. And so the scene, although I see what Sarah J. Mass was trying to do, where she's trying to kind of redeem Reese in this, and now she's choosing to be part of it, it just, I don't know. It was kind of tacky. Not my favorite setup. I don't know. I mean, it was sexy and stuff, but I couldn't help but think about the times that it wasn't consensual when I read it. I was more disturbed by... Feyre is known, I would believe she's known by the Court of Nightmares for being a, the curse breaker. Isn't she enough of a presence where she doesn't have to be all up in his junk? Yeah. Maybe I'm not thinking about it. I mean, I know it's like a different atmosphere and it's a different mentality in the quarter nightmare, so maybe being more carnal is that style down there. But it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what she was talking about. But like, they were literally grinding on each other with that really, like, non-melodic music playing in the background. It's a carnal place. Yeah. Is the way that I always take it. Actually, you know, now that you say that, I come to think of it, that definitely is a power play on Reese's part because she is the curse breaker and he's got her a little lapdog. And you also have to remember the fact that she just went from Tamlin to Resand. Yeah. So I think it's also that statement as well like not only is she the curse breaker but now she's in the hands of another high lord she's mine i mean it could also show her own independence i guess because i think i think like the problem with resan is is people are going to assume that he stole her away right but 
I feel like showing her as an independent badass would show that she came on her own volition. I mean, I don't think it really matters to, like, because people are always going to say, like, oh, well, he mind fucked her or whatever. Yeah. So, I don't know. That was my thought about it. I was like, that's hot. I think (laughs) Pharaoh was tired of being left out of things. That she was willing to do whatever she wanted at this point just to be included. I hate to say it's like a FOMO thing, but like, <laughs> like, but you make a very fair point, and I do forget about this because Taylor would not include her in because she wanted to help. She wanted to be a part of this revolution, and because he would not con- include her, she felt very trapped. She felt like she didn't have her own free will. So even if there's that sort of, I don't want to say pressure to be a hoe or whatever, <laughs> there's still this desire to contribute and to sort of make, I guess, to make amends for the things that happened under the, under the mountain. And I also think that she's also super powerful. Like, there's no reason for her to be locked up right. like Tamlin had locked her up. Like, so she has power, even in a twisted sense of her own femininity and sexuality, she was going to do it. You know what I wish would have happened? This is just a fantasy. This would have never happened and it wouldn't make any sense. But if it was Farah and Maurice was naked doing the lap dance... <laughs> She's the curse breaker. breaker. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Honestly, and he's like crawling and she puts her foot up like, you know that like one scene um, with Leo and uh, yep. what's it, Margot? Yeah, Margot Robbie. Oh, and uh, Wolf of Wall where Street. She, where he crawls up to the throne and she puts her shoe up like, Honestly, epic. Would have never happened. Would have never no, made sense. Never. But that would have been so great. Let's Just, like, write... walks him in on a leash. <laughs> Let's write Sarah J. Mass. There's still like three more books to come. Yeah. We can make this happen. We can make this happen. We can. We can Honestly, that's like way more like Nesta and Cassian energy, <sighs> though. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. do we want to talk about what happened with Moore? Oh, yeah, I did. We forgot to bring up Moore's history. So let's talk about some more depressing stuff. <laughs> let's get super sad. Because <laughs> Fuck the Court of Nightmares is really the tale of this chapter. <laughs> so, the Morrigan. Moore, she was a product of the Night Court, Reese's cousin, as we already know. As she, I think she had said when she had her first period, they were ready to rattle her off to the highest bidder as a peace treaty, as an alliance. But she obviously didn't agree with that, Little Miss Independent. And she was traveling within the night court and got sidetracked with the Illyrian soldiers. When Moore became of age, she really, pretty much across the night court will learn a little bit more about the Illyrian women later in this section or this book. But the women are pretty much just treated as prizes and pawns for treaties and alliances across the region, the, their territory. So when she turned of age, she was going to get handed off to the Autumn Court mm-hmm. to Eris. So Lucian's, he's the oldest, right? Eris is the oldest? Yes. He, I think, I don't know if she was traveling to the Autumn Court, if she was just hanging out with Reese and his family, but she wound up at one of the Illyrian camps with Rhysand and his mother, and they had to go run off and do some night court errands. So she was left all alone with Cassian. So what did she decide to do? She jumped on it. Mm. (laughs) Because she was still a virgin, she knew that that's where her value lied. So Cassian, of course, just uh, our sweet 
dum-dum himbo. Yeah. Didn't understand the implications of it. Resan was pissed. Yeah. The mom wasn't happy. Azrael was upset because he was already in love with Moore. It became a huge deal in the night court. What did Kira and her parents do as a consequence? They beat the shit out of her. And then nailed a note to her. Yeah, so they wrote a note to Eris saying she's your problem now and they nailed it to her. And left her at the autumn court border. Yeah. And then, allegedly, from Moore's perspective, Eris just left her there. Yeah, he found her. And did nothing. That just reconfirms how much he sucks. Yeah. And how awful the Autumn Court is as a whole, based on Lucian's upbringing Mm -hmm. and everything we know about him, and also now Moore's story. She doesn't have the greatest relationship with her parents. She definitely gave him a little bit of hell when she went back and broke a couple more bones Mm -hmm. (laughs) on her dad's arm, which was very satisfying to read. Well, and this also ties into Reese's relationship with the Illyrian girls mm-hmm. getting their wings clipped and kind of how he's trying to rally behind them. Yeah, so Feyre gets a glimpse at the Illyrian war camps, which is Cassian's main job. And Feyre's first interaction is with one of the camp leaders and Reese and Cassian checking in, like, why aren't the girls training? And kind of butting heads with these camp leaders about training the women like they the men are trained at these camps. And then Reese goes into explaining how once a woman becomes of age as an Illyrian, their wings are clipped so they can't fly, which is, I think we had talked about already, a really important part of Reese-Ann's mother's story because she is an Illyrian female with her wings still intact that his father saved her before that fate. So it's a very personal cause to Reese. Yeah, so he was fighting for it and then he got caught up getting locked up with Amarantha and all the outdated motherfuckers kept on clipping the wings of their females again for the first time in a long time. So now Reese and Cassian and them are trying to make up for lost time Yeah, in that antiquated lifestyle. Wow, what a concept. I know. Who would have thought? I don't know. Castrating women like that? Hmm. Anyway. But onto a more cute, fun, wonderful little scene. My favorite, the little starfall scene. I love them oh, so much. Oh, starfall. I'm such a so sap. <laughs> it's very cute. I always think of that starfall dress, and I'm like, I bet it is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see so many fan art of it. It's just... I know. I, I can't get enough of starfall fan art. Yeah, it's so pretty. I just like when one of the little stars hits Reese in the face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. So Starfall is the annual tradition of what they think are souls passing through their universe. And it looks like shooting stars. And it's this really big, elaborate event. I, what, what time in the year did it fall around? My gauge of time, because of the different seasons, I don't think there is really. Mm, okay. I get like, a winter vibe from it. I don't. And actually, no, because it turns into spring in the next section of the books we read. So this would be more of like a winter yeah. into spring celebration. But it's confusing because all of the different areas still say that stay essentially that season, season except for the solar quartz, which is very weird and confusing. Yeah. So Semantics. But, I know. It's fun. <laughs> so it's this big celebration. I think Pharaoh and Reese got into a little tiff before that. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. They're already acting that, like, like a married couple. That was an interesting conversation because... Reese accused her of comparing him with Tamlin, mm-hmm. which that did not go well, especially with his history with Tamlin and Tamlin's family. Mm-hmm. I think Reese really struggles with his feelings. For, I think he struggles with his feelings for Feyre, but also what how people perceive him. Mm-hmm. Oh, 
Sorry. No, go ahead. I don't know if this is spoiling because we're going to talk about it later in the episode, but hopefully if you're listening to this episode, you already have read through these chapters and you're not getting Mm -hmm. spoiled for stuff. But that makes me think a lot about how I think he was more upset because he knew that they were mates and he was so different from Tamlin that he could let his mate go if shit made her happier. Mm-hmm. And I think that is an underlying reason. Now that I'm thinking back, yeah. listening to you say that, because like I didn't really understand why he was that aggravated about the comparison, but that makes total sense if he knows that she's his mate, and he's like, I'm not like Tamlin. You're my mate, and I still let you choose. Right. I thought he was more mad because she friend-zoned him. <laughs> <laughs> that she's like, Reese, you're my friend. <laughs> But I, I agree with yeah. you, ultimately. I, mean, I didn't even think about that until you were just talking about it. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, I know we're not, we're going to find out a little bit more about Reese and the whole mate connection. and mates. And, and, well, we know we're getting there. <laughs> so, so yeah, that was a, and they didn't talk for a few days. Like, he didn't come back to the townhouse. He stayed up on the mountain. Or she was the, trying the, to write their notes, notes, and he wasn't responding. Okay. So, Sorrowful was the first time they had seen each other in a while after this big argument. And what a romantic time to reconnect. Mm-hmm. I love that for them. They got little stars in their faces. Just adorable. Dancing so all night. Mm-hmm. When I read that scene, all I could think about was the Skyfall song from Adele. Mm-hmm. It was like playing in from the James Bond. Yeah, from James Bond, the Quantum Solace. Nice. It was a good song. Just replace it with Starfall. <laughs> I think of song. It's so cool. I think of the song of Signs. Have you guys ever heard that song? Which one? For a second, I thought you meant the Alien movie. No, what? <laughs> no, no. It, it's uh, I'm trying to think who the artist is. Block Party? Block Party? Yeah. It's this, like, really twinkly song. Yeah. We should come up with our own playlist and drop it in the comments for these Ooh, episodes. Ooh, we should. We're not going to do it for, for the previous episodes because I don't feel like it. Or we can do it by book. Yeah. We can make play our playlists by book. I like that idea. We have all our notes. We could put it together. Mm-hmm. This sounds like fun. I would do that. Don't hold us to that because if we don't do that, we're sorry. Yeah, our bad. <laughs> <laughs> Baby steps. So I think what's the next thing is, is they continue Feyre's training. Yes. And they've been noticing a pattern up until this. They weren't able to figure out what, but they kept running into issues of people finding them. They weren't understanding the connection of how people knew where Feyre and Raysand and the crew were traveling. And lo and behold, they go to travel and train. And guess who stumbles upon them? I hate this scene. I, I he makes me so angry. It's Lucian. She stopped. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's Lucian. Sorry. I know I should have like dragged that out, but it's Lucian. Uh, <laughs> that motherfucker. Oh my god, he's infuriating in this scene. I know. I feel bad for Lucian. Of course she does. Oh come! No, someone has no. to stop it. I know why you're gonna say it. We can't spoil it for the listeners. No, that's not why I feel that way. And I know what you're thinking. And Carbs. It's, no. The chicken was not deconstructed. Oh my god. Sam, Sam, it was the f***ing mixed metal dress all over again. Like, this lady said she gave them a deconstructed chicken. It was not deconstructed! We were, for the, for context, we were It was a red chicken! Like, oh my god, what did I miss? For the context, we were watching the new show with Anthony from Queer Eye. He has a new show on Netflix called Easy Easy Bake. Bake. But, Okay, another note to pick, side note, 
We're leaving this in because why not? I can forgive the um, oven. <laughs> I cannot. So they have to bake in these easy bake ovens. And then in their second challenge, they've created a mega easy bake oven. And I was like, that's not an easy bake oven. It's, it's just, just an, an oven. oven. It's, it's a full size oven. oven. <laughs> painted to look like an easy bake Stop oven. Stop it. No, and, and, and Anthony in every episode, he's like, and now it's time. We've created this like brand new world phenomenal a large easy bake oven and you look at it it's, it's just an oven. oven it's just an oven no i can forget that i will not forgive will not. the deconstructed chicken it was not deconstructed oh. she did not and she won like what three rounds like i know i'm so mad <laughs> anyway. and I, I love that chick i'm telling you like i was like ready for her to go like <laughs> I think I was just mad about the chicken. <laughs> she was. Sarah she was. Petty, no. <laughs> the moment that that happened, the next two episodes. I hated her. Like, I just <laughs> shat on her the whole time. She talked so much crap about her. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> anyway, solution. It wasn't deconstructed. Like, you know what? A Lunchable is considered a deconstruction of a sandwich. Bread and chicken is not a deconstruction. Okay, I'm done. That's it. That's it. I don't think you are. But that's <laughs> She'll fine. never be done. I'll honestly. never be done. Every time we cook It'll come back in my nightmares. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. You guys, I'm a little huffed up, so you guys just take over. I'll, I'll, I'll I have to hear your Lucian opinions. Oh, what, oh, you... oh, that's right. I was Because we don't agree. So my, thing, <laughs> my thing with Lucian is... He obviously had a really horrible upbringing. I know that he feels very connected to Tamlin because he sort of... He older-brothered him. Yeah, he older-brothered, but he took him in when no one else would, and... But I think they kind of trauma-bonded, which we'll learn a little bit more about Tamlin's backstory in the last section of our recording. So I think there's a trauma-bond element to them, too, that they just, like, toxic attracts toxic, and I think that's Lucian and Tamlin. They're Mm -hmm. totally bros. Mm -hmm. I think... In Lucian's mind, Lucian thinks if Feyre comes back, that Tamlin will be better, and that he will be happy, and then things will be back to normal again. You know what? You just changed my mindset. Mm. Even though he infuriated me, he was coming from the standpoint of Reese is under control of her, and he probably is looking, not even so much for Tamlin's sake, but he has a friendship with Feyre and wants to save her, and thinks that she's not in her right mind. Right. Fascinating. That's how I always assume. Because we forget because we've we all all of our shrouds have come off about the night court. We now know what it's like. We forget a lot of the time that most of the other courts assume the night court is awful. They don't know about Valaris. They don't know about they know about under the mountain or like or like the or like the court of nightmares and how scary that is. And and his last memory would probably be her being taken from the summer court. Well, and even if he thinks it's spring court. Or spring court, even if he thinks it's wrong, he probably thinks that Rhysand stole her. Well, technically, Lucian's last memory of Feyre was Feyre getting locked up. The only person that saw Feyre get taken was Alice? I think so. Yeah, Alice. So my point to why I can't fully forgive Lucian is because he knew. Feyre was confiding in Lucian about how miserable she was. She needed to get out of the house. She wanted to help. Like, she knew that if she couldn't get Tamlin's ear, Lucian could. Mm-hmm. Uh, he couldn't, but he also didn't try. He tried, like, a little bit. Do you think he was trying to pick the best of two evils, what he considered evils? Like, at least if she's with Tamlin, she'll be around me and I can help keep her safe. But if she's with Rhysand, I have no control over what he's doing to her and he's brainwashing her. I always 
always thought of it like if Feyre just gets better all of a sudden, Talon will get better. Like, not that he's blaming her, but this is all about, like, she is the one that is struggling the most. Like, Talon's, like, at least pushing through all of it. He's not doing a great job of it, but he also is the High Lord. He has to do the tithe. He's a lot more... Now that, now, to. now that the curse is broken, there's a lot more, like, pieces to pick up after Amarantha took everybody. So he's under a lot more stress. So I felt like Lucian just wanted Feyre to get on board a little bit more. Because... And that's the thing is, Lucian went through a horrible traumatic experience. Not that they're the same, but he was able to get through it. And he sort of, like, just pushed through it. And I think... He assumed because Farrah's also a very strong person that she would just sort of get through it and she hasn't. Like, like if we team up together, yeah, gonna be fine. Yeah, exactly. Like I felt like he was just trying to preserve this idea of like what it was before Under the Mountain. I mean, Farrah's gone through something that none of them has experienced, which yeah. is she died. Like <laughs> and, and came, came back. back like crazy powerful. She still doesn't fully know the full scope of her powers right now. A lot of them don't even know. She still has to hide her powers. Right. And I still stand by that Tamlin must have guessed then that's why he was hiding her. No, I think he knew because didn't she like break windows and doors? Well, she talked about it and he was like, oh, I'm just going to put a band-aid on this one. (laughs) We'll come back to that on another day. I think he had too much shit on his place. Like, I'm not going to even bother with this. Mm -hmm. But like, I think this is just Lucian's the baby between two fighting parents. And he's just like, let's just come together and then we can fix this. And that is where Farrah's like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not going back. After telling him that she's not coming back with him, Daddy don't love her no more. Yeah. Um, Well, or she don't love Daddy no more. Wait, we did skip something. Hmm? About the Holution thing, Farrah's Illyrian wings make a cameo. Well, I think, I think, I think... That's at the end. I think you were getting to that. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But... Sorry. My bad. Read the room, Hannah. (laughs) Like Swags was saying, Lucian did try to forcibly remove Feyre and drag her back to the Spring Court. Under his assumption, she's being mind-controlled by Reese. What Feyre does is, one, she winnows first when he tries to grab her. Mm-hmm. And she ends up, like, farther away. I think she ends up next to Reesan, who magically appears. And then she shapeshifts Illyrian wings. So, like, she's... Because she's not an Illyrian, obviously, but her shape-shifting abilities, ironically, is from Tamlin. And mm-hmm. she created Illyrian wings to get uh, Lucian to back off. She's a boss. Yeah, the irony of it being the combo of their two main abilities. Mm-hmm. You get the best of both worlds. Thank you for the Miley cameo. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> I'm cutting that one out. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> and that finally sent Lucian away with his tail between his legs. But that's when they've realized that maybe they're tracking them based off of Rhysand's winnowing magic. Hmm. I don't understand how they can track that. I forgot what the explanation was of how they I don't get that either. I don't feel like that was explained. Do the, is it like a sniffy thing? Like they smell it and, and like you get I, like, I smell a reason. <laughs> I assume it has to do with the increased flux and in power being used. Oh, between the courts. So the lords know. I think that's my opinion. That's how I always interpreted it, especially because recent is the most powerful that like if you're looking for activity like that, you'd be able to find it. But if they knew that, why would Tamlin not show up and send Lucian instead? 
remember, because there was the fine line of Rhysand pulling Feyre out of the spring court. There Likewise. are treaties and agreements. Yeah, Lucian could go get her, but Tamlin can't. Cause like, that more... That had to grab Feyre. That could cause a, a, a war between the two But courts. I thought they were in the spring court when this happened. No, they were still in the night court. Oh. That's <laughs> like... Mm-hmm. <I> don't know. <laughs> no, it's, it's good. So now they're stuck flying instead of winnowing. My favorite trope. They... What a weird trope. Flying? No, the one bed trope. Oh, I thought... You were like, jumping ahead, woman. Let me do the no, setup. I thought you meant, like, flying, flying and, like... Oh, no. Okay. Well, yeah, I guess that's... I, I kind of thought the same thing, too. I was like, <laughs> well, I mean, like, it's enjoyable, truly. Like, is it my thing? I don't know. <laughs> Y'all are okay. not the same level as me kind of out today. in public. It's not very private. So, <laughs> we love conning you. Oh my gosh! Y'all are the one bed me. trope is great. Okay, the go one on. bed trope is that, so, that happen a lot. It's a thing. It could be like a one whatever. So like one tent, and, one sleeping bag, one horse. Oh. <laughs> I honestly, I really dig to the one horse trope until I was in Florida and had to ride horses for like two months and how smelly they are. I was like, there's no way now. <laughs> do anything on a horse with a person not only is it like uncomfortable to sit on a horse and just like the constant riding that they're probably doing it's just no they smell so bad there's so many bugs horse hair gets all over you in my in my little world with castile and poppy that is never an issue (laughs) be super into it never ride a horse it'll ruin it all for you good to know so as they ruined what was going to be my segue was they fly and fly and fly and they find this rinky dink little inn and unfortunately surprise surprise there's only one room left and it only has one bed oh no i'd be cuddled up to this beautiful man in little bed Whatever shall I do? (laughs) Oh no, I don't have extra clothing with me. So after their spectacle um, in the Court of Nightmares and all of that budding tension that we have been reading this entire time, it finally comes to a head. And this one bet, oh, look at me rhyme. uh, (laughs) Come to a head in the bed. It is a steamy scene. Honestly, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I blush every time I read the whole... Oh my god. She's so flustered she can't even talk right now. I know. What is it? When he's like, I'm going to scream and bring down the mountains. I'm just like... (laughs) Sam's face is so red Don't make promises you can't keep, buddy. (laughs) Oh, and then of course... The added of, I'm going to splay you on a table like my own personal feast. So, <laughs> yes, they are fooling around. She, so, what she learned earlier is that uh, Lyrian wings are very sensitive. Mm-hmm. A little bit of foreplay there. Oh, I forgot about that when he, like, tingles. So, he's using his wings to keep her warm because he's being a gentleman. And then so she's literally <laughs> fucking around with him and turning him on. She's just like, oh, thanks for the warp. <laughs> However will I pay you back for this generosity? Vera, <laughs> <laughs> you thirsty hoe. Like, I and she it. didn't even do the pay. He paid her. <laughs> I love... I really appreciate Sarah J. Ma's female character is not like, oh, I love you. I've always wanted to do this with you. And like, I've, I've had feelings for you for so long. And said, you know, Feyre's like, I just want a distraction. And even though she knows that she wants recent, she's kind of being coy about it. She doesn't want to lay out all her cards. Right. And I like that about Feyre. And I like that about a lot of Sarah J. Ma's characters that they kind of hold a little bit more back. I mean, she's still working through... 
especially after seeing Lucian so mm-hmm. recently, like that is so. I mean, that's a big thing to be reminded of is that relationship. She clearly realizes that what she feels for Reese at this point is more, but she just isn't ready to act on it yet. Mm-hmm. But also, it feels like she just wants him to take the lead. So she can kind of, like, be a little brat about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Being a brat is fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, wait, I don't know why I agreed to that. <laughs> Sorry, like... <laughs> I love being bratty and then someone, like, put you in your place. But, like, not in a bad way. Like, kind of finding fun in the brattiness of it. Because, like, a lot of the times if I'm being a brat, I'm just joking around. But, Mm -hmm. like, super sensitive guys or guys who, like, have too high of an ego take it offensively. And they're like, oh, she's a bad bitch or whatever. (laughs) And, like, I don't know. Sometimes guys see it as just kind of, like, a playful dominance. Mm-hmm. See, I'm a very sensitive person, so when guys are bratty to me, I take it very personally. No, no, no. I don't want a guy to be a brat to me. I want oh, to be the brat. Oh, okay. Yeah. I need a brat tamer. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. That's the difference. Okay, I see. I see what you're saying. I'm still getting, like, I'm just getting accustomed to that term, so uh, brat tamer. <laughs> we'll, we'll help you, sweetie. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> so after their a little fun distraction of a steamy night, in the one bed mm-hmm. in the end. They get attacked again. But this time it's successful and Resan gets hit with poisoned ash arrows. Double whammy. Yeah, mm-hmm. real bad. So at this point, Pharaoh loses her shit. And she goes after them. So she's able to track them. And then she hits a fork in the road because they tried to split it off. I know, I love this. So the only way that she, the only reason why she knew which direction it goes, because she could smell herself on him, not oh. just him. So who would have thought that that would have been like the best thing she could have done for herself yeah. in more ways than one, because she was able to save his ass. Mm-hmm. So she finds him, and he has these like special chains on him that mm-hmm. like nullify high fae powers. Which is why she couldn't Sent, like reach out to him mentally, like mind to mind thing, or through the, the bond. Yeah. yeah whatever. There's more to that that I already brought up to Hannah that we can't talk about. Hannah, yet. you're sparking and <laughs> it's making me uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, the chains. Okay. <laughs> they come back in maybe another series. <laughs> okay, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Um, so, <laughs> not she, she, I think she kills off some of the guards there. Mm-hmm. She gets Resan out. I think they say like a little cavey thing. When as she's taking out the ash arrows, she is telling him about a story of one summer that they actually had a little bit of money and she and Elaine bought her paints and she was painting all these little things around the house and she painted each of their dressers in their bedroom. Elaine got flowers, Nesta got flames, and Farah painted the stars in the night sky. Oh, do you know what's I ironic? know you know. Do you know what's mm-hmm. ironic about all of this? It's like she just asked Resan for a distraction, and then he needed a distraction the next day <laughs> to take <laughs> arrows out of his ass. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. She just obliged. I'm saying this is a give and take relationship. I, I love, love it. it. It's a very full circle. It's a moment full circle. That's love why it. they're so mated. They just give. Ba- they give and they give back. It's really nice. <laughs> so she gets the arrows out and. And he evens out, and they're in the cave, like you said, but he's not healing fast enough, and she is not strong enough in her winnowing or, like, yeah. these random wings she just discovered to get them where they need to. So she decided to lure the surreal again. Oh my gosh, my homie. So she traps the surreal again, and they're like, again? <laughs> <laughs> 
So, because she's desperate and needs to figure out how to help Resan get the poison out of him faster so they can move. Because they're just, they're sitting yeah, ducks Yeah, they're sitting point. ducks. So, the Suriel's like, oh, do A, B, and C and tell your mate, blah, blah, blah. <gasps> the team. And Vader's like, say that again? <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, mate. Yeah, mate. And then Serial obviously realizes, oh, you didn't know? <laughs> what a petty little one. And he tells her anyway. She's like, well, so what are the deeds to this? And does Resan know? Yep. The oh. answer is yes. <laughs> How long did he know? Forever. <laughs> I don't want to put a time span. <laughs> put a long time. <laughs> Maybe some wingspan on it. <laughs> Reese knew the entire time. So she finds the flowers that she needs to heal him. So sad. And he's all like being a little sick puppy dog getting taken care of. And she is fuming. Poor baby. Honestly, her reaction was a little dramatic. We all are on the same page about that. Yeah. She blew it out yeah. of the water. I, I love she just like throws the weed in his face. <laughs> Eat it, you jerk face. I'm gonna save your ass anyway so I can kill you later. Like, pretty much. I hate her argument. Her whole argument is you said you weren't gonna lie to me. And it's like, well, also at the same time, like, I didn't want this to influence your decisions. You were still operating out of your own free will. You're think- still depressed over your breakup with Tamlin and processing that trauma. She was being nice. But also, it wasn't really necessary information that she needed yeah, at all. I agree with that. Really? I think the reason why they re- reacted as strongly as she did is because Tamlin was not honest with her about her situation. He wasn't being forthright with her about after the under the mountain and staying together and he kept lying to her about oh we'll we'll go out or we won't go out like you know like he kept kind of stringing her along I think I mean technically Rhysand didn't lie he just didn't tell her fair but I mean yes that's true I just think that Feyre is very sensitive to not having autonomy yeah Yeah. exactly weirdly enough Feyre has really never had like a long-term relationship I know this is like a different type of universe where we're not really having like boyfriend girlfriend sort of situations but but also I think it's not even just like romantic relationships she does not know how to have healthy relationships period I think is what exacerbates this for her. But I, also, it's a mutual benefit to both of them. I know, right? You just got the daddy of all daddies, and you're mated to him. I don't, I mean, this is going to be my ultimate question for the end of this section for you guys is, do you think Resan made the right call? I do too. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I don't know. that it would have just distracted her. I don't know if oh, I would yeah. have ever told her. Like, I would, if she wanted to fall in love, great. If not, if not, I think it would be too hard to, I mean, I don't know if he could have hit it forever, but. No. I mean, she had just gone through so much. And I think, like you said, like, I think it's important for her to know she has free will and that she can do what she wants. She will not be tied up or like, cause there's, it's a bond. It's like being, I don't want to say shackled, but there is this sort of like, I'm stuck to you sort of. But she can refuse it. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. <laughs> she can refuse the mating bond. Yeah. And I think that. There's a reset. No. no. She just won't have a mate. She can just refuse her mate. Yeah. Um, that's possible. We're not going to go into... We'll we'll talk about that in a later book. Mm -hmm. But I think that Reese also might have done something selfishly. Like, he wasn't ready to overcome that battle and risk her saying no right off the bat and wanting to get to know her more and spend some more time with her. 
So maybe it was a selfish decision, but I do not fault him at all for not saying anything because I also don't feel like it's anything that would have aided or lessened or made her life more difficult or made it better by like knowing that information. It almost just kind of with everything going on seems like very insignificant information. It doesn't really change anything because at the end of the day, they're still mated. It's not something that they have to address right away. So I feel like maybe it wasn't a top priority to read. Well, they're going to live forever. They can touch base on this later. Yeah. Like, I don't know. This, <laughs> this just doesn't seem like a conversation that he just needed to push on her. And I kind of respect him for allowing her to make the connection first or wanting her to. And she was so traumatized. Like, she was battling a lot of different But also, stuff. realistically, in this moment in time where he's, like, dying in a cave, they're dealing with the spring court, they're dealing with her trying to figure out her powers and to train and these things just going on. Like, what difference in this moment does it actually make? Yeah. I just, I think that Feyre's response is definitely from a place of trauma. I don't think it, she was thinking logically about it. I, I agree. I think it was a bit of an overreaction. She's being a little too spicy. But I think it comes from that, like, we just hooked up. I am now finding out about this. I would have liked to have known that prior to hooking up, because this feels like a little bit of a violation. I mean, you could argue that. Like, it's... I can agree with that. Yeah. The timing of them fooling around sucks, but I think everything else about it doesn't make sense from Faye's point. Right. I Well, exactly. And she was just starting to feel better. She was just starting uh, to, like, get confident again. And, like, yeah. she's making friends and enjoying her life a little bit more. She's starting to move on from under the mountain. I'm going to play devil's advocate. She wanted that night. She asked him for a distraction. Her- she knew what she was asking for. She wasn't asking for a mated relationship. She just wanted but to But he wasn't around. giving her a mated relationship. And he's not in control of whether or not they're mates. I mean, that still, ad- still adds to the thing that she overreacted. Like, we are not disagreeing with that. Yeah. But I'm just saying that I feel like Feyre's argument is, I wish I had known prior to us hooking up. But, of course, like, I wish you would have told me before things got more intimate. Because I think that would have changed if she would have hooked up with him or not. No, it wouldn't have. I mean, either. I don't think girl needs to get laid. She needed it regardless, and she can still deny the me. You make it seem like she's like vitamin D deficient, and why did I pick that vitamin? So, like, well, no, I, like, honestly, realistically, I, I said that I was like, I just proved my own. Like, I know point. she's mad, but realistically, even if they had this intimate connection, and like she wanted this regardless of whatever was going on in like their whole situation, mm-hmm. and I think that it doesn't even matter if they were mates because she, at the end of the day, if she felt so violated by it. Or, like, she didn't want the mating to come from the intimacy or, like, the intimacy to come from the mating bond. She can still turn it down. And what I just realized as you were saying that was I think she was not pissed that they're mates and that he didn't tell her. I think she's ultimately mad at herself because she had been contemplating if she wanted more or not. Oh, so she was projecting and she was like, is it me or is it just because this mating bond? Oh, because she doesn't feel, like, in control of her actions? Because she, because, I mean, I think, she was contemplating whether she wanted more with him or not Mm -hmm. as they were laying in that bed. Mm -hmm. That's how I interpreted it. And that's why she said to start make it easy. She's like, I just need a distraction. I just want fun. Because she's constant. She kept calling herself traitor, liar, like whatever. But she got what she wanted. So she's mad at herself because, yeah, she got what she she wanted. I mean. But she's not ready for it. To have an amazing sex life. Oh, yeah, boo-hoo, Farrah, getting all the time. Oh, no. (laughs) Poor thing. Like, oh, come on. 
I don't know. It's just, it was so stupid. Anyway. Mm -hmm. So that wraps up the section and part two of A Court of Mist and Fury. Mm. Oh, but we do mention that more helps Feyre get a little time away. Yeah. So so he answered her questions as forwardly as he could. And then she's like, all right, we're leaving now. And then leaves him in the mud (laughs) and has Morgan take her away to a cabin. Mm-hmm. So what what is the uh, next chapters we're reading, Swaggy? The rest of the book. <gasps> They're uh fifty-three to the end. To the end. Yeah. To the end. It's gonna be a long episode already. My notes are already huge for, for it. For the last half? Yeah. Bye. 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 <laughs>